0: On Wednesday nights, if you haven't been able to be here, I encourage you, uh, of course, we, uh, we have podcasts uh, that is uh, for you to enjoy, services when you miss, it does not mean that you don't have to come to church anymore, you can just listen to the podcast, because scripture says don't forsake to assemble together, there's something that happens when we come together as God's people, and we're encouraged by one another, uh, but we've been talking about uh, early on, we talked about Uh, In 1 John, not loving the world nor the things that are in the world, that progressed into a a series of, of lessons and sermons about holiness and about pleasing God with our life. I'm convinced that the enemy wants to distract us in this hour. I'm convinced we're not only pushing against the enemy of our souls and the culture of the world in which we live I'm convinced we are also pushing against religious culture that defines certain things. uh, And we think, well, it's popular, so it must be right. Popular doesn't always mean right. And so we want to have a biblical um, uh, mindset of what it means to be in the world, but not of the world, Brother Kyle preached. And it just seemed like the theme... Uh, For us as a church, now we want the power of God to come down. We want to see his spirit displayed in this place today. And uh, I believe that happens when we separate ourselves to God and make up our minds. We're going to serve him and we're going to please him. And so we've been uh, going along that route. And so Wednesday night, if you were able to be here, we uh, talked about uh, the meaning of uh, what it means to be holy. Uh, and we talked about god's holiness and and him being ultimately pure and and uh, there is no shadow of turning in him, and how people define holiness as god', the nature of God and his purity and then others define it as well it's not only god's nature but it's it's what he does in our lives and and uh, there are some that when you say holiness the ins- the thing they instantly think about is Is hair and dress code and length and modesty and all of that. Uh, And so we discovered Wednesday night that if we define holiness too narrowly, we could get really messed up if we're not careful. Holiness is a big deal. So we can't pigeonhole it and say holiness is one thing or two things or because I do this, then I'm holy. Uh, Because on Wednesday night, we did uh, come in the end to recognize that even the holy sacrifice that was to push sin ahead for another year, in the end, the Lord said, I don't even want you to do that. This stinks in my nostrils. It was holy at one time, but now it is a disgrace. And that had to do with them doing one thing outwardly and something else inwardly. So let me just say it to you today, since this is an apostolic church, and I just happen to be called to pastor here, let me say to you that uh, being apostolic or Pentecostal, and you say, well, that means certain things, and you say, well, uh, you know, how I dress is important and how my modesty is important, and yes, it is, but don't you ever get a disconnect between what's going on inside and what's going on outside. Because it's it's entirely possible to go through the motions of living what you think is a holy life, and your heart's not in it. Somebody say Amen. So Wednesday night, that's kind of where we ended. So today we're we're gonna we're gonna move along, and uh, uh, we talked about what it means to be holy. Now uh, today I'm gonna start, and I won't finish today. Uh, so uh, on Wednesdays and Sundays, I'm gonna be dealing with this subject. So. If you miss one, you can catch it on the podcast. We've got teachers teaching on Wednesday. We've got teachers teaching on Sunday, but you can catch up. But I just want you to know, on Wednesday and Sunday, I'll be dealing with the issue of holiness. Everybody say holiness. And today we're going to talk about uh, holiness, uh, the, the purpose of holiness, if you could describe it as that, the purpose. Everybody say the purpose. Why? Let's, let's answer why Holiness. Now, if you have your Bibles, get them out. We're going to read a lot of Scripture. If you have your digital device, uh, you can follow along and then you can even put notes in there. So whether you're a paper note taker or a digital note taker, uh, please, uh, if something strikes you today, uh, put it down so you can uh, study it, uh, glean from it uh, long after this service is over. Let's begin today in Isaiah 6. And we'll begin with verse 3. Isaiah 6 and we'll begin in verse 3. Now this is uh, interesting. I mentioned it Wednesday night how that uh, of the one thing that uh, the angels uh, repeat three times. There is a, a three time repetitious uh, statement made in heaven. When Isaiah was ushered into the presence of the Lord and he saw these seraphims. And they had six wings and then he heard them crying. And uh what what they cried about, and that word is not emotional crying, sadness, it is they lifted their voice, they they cried aloud is is the inference there. And they do not say love, 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 or faithful, 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 or provider, 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 or healer, healer, healer. You notice that. Look in verse three, and one cried to another and said, Holy. Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory, and the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Uh, Look at what happens when holiness is recognized and holiness is celebrated. Uh, Something happens in that arena. I'd like for the glory to fall in this place today, I'd like for the post to move today. Uh, I'd like for the pillars of the assembly to move today. <laughs> I'd like for the post to shake and the house to be filled with the glory of God. And that happens when His holiness is celebrated. And notice the thing that the angels say above all of His characteristics, uh, the thing that grabs their attention that they shout about is that He's holy. He's holy. Holy, the word holy or a, a derivative of the word holiness is mentioned almost twice as much as the word love or the subject of love in your, in your Bible. Uh, love, uh, love would not be the love it's supposed to be if it wasn't holy love. God's love is holy. Holiness trumps even his love, Trump, wow, trumps, dear Lord. How did he get in this sermon? So let's discover why holiness. Everybody say, why holiness? Why? When we define the purpose of holiness, we're not talking about God's perfect or absolute holiness. Let's, uh, let's start on that end of the spectrum. God is holy. He's the only one that's good. Jesus said there's none good but God. Uh, so when you say, well, what's the purpose of holiness and you only define holiness as God's nature, you don't really need to know why holiness if you only see holiness as God's nature. Because God is holy. He doesn't have to be holy for a reason. So so we're not defining the purpose of holiness. We're not talking about now God's nature. There's no purpose in God's holiness other than God is holy. That's what he is and he does not change. What we need to understand is the purpose of holiness as it pertains to us, you and me. Amen? To understand this, let's start with God. Let's let's start uh, in 1 Peter 1, verse 14. Now, we're going to look at this scripture just for a few minutes here today. 1 Peter uh, 1, 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy. Everybody know that God is holy? And there's a lot of people in religious circles that if you ask them, is God holy, they say, oh, absolutely God's holy. But look at this. Just as he who hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation as it is written. Now he's quoting Old Testament here. Be holy, for I am holy. Wow. As God is holy, so be ye holy. Do you understand the magnitude of that statement? As God is holy, you be holy. I don't know if we could ever attain God's holiness. How many would say, Pastor, I want to tell you right now, for me to be as holy as God, it's going to take lots of work. Raise your hand. You'll notice my hands are in, okay. Absolutely, it's going to take lots of work. But the Lord ask us, not only in the old, but also here in the New Testament, that if he's holy, be holy as he which hath called you is holy. Now it's going to be a task. You you uh, it and and obviously we there's something we must discover here. So what purpose of holiness can we extract from this passage? Uh, from this one, First Peter one fourteen through sixteen. Let's look at it. Uh, the first thing is that I see here is that we. Uh, no longer should be like the typical human beings walking around here on the earth. I mean, look at verse 14, if they want to leave that up there, verse 14. He says, be obedient. Everybody say, be obedient. He's talking about being obedient to God. And don't fashion yourselves according to the way you used to live. Now I know KJV, mate. You look at that and you say, "Well, wait a minute. That says former lust, ignorance, according fashion." That that basically means don't live the way you used to live. You were ignorant. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you were ignorant. <laughs> I hope you're not still ignorant. This is the point. Uh, Peter says you were ignorant you should no longer be the person you used to be. Anybody glad that when Jesus saved you, you're no longer the person you used to be? Now, that's a fact. So churches that say, well, you get saved and you just keep on doing what you do, no, scripturally, Peter says, listen, as if you're obedient, you're not gonna be the same person you used to be. Jesus is gonna make a difference in your life. That's the first thing we extract from this scripture. Something else we extract is we are supposed to become like God in every way that a human being can become like God. Now listen to this, we cannot be omnipotent, we can omnipotent, we cannot be omnipresent, we cannot be omniscient. I know some of you wives think your husband knows everything, but let me let you in on a secret. He doesn't he, he knows a lot. But he doesn't know near as much as God knows. He's not near as powerful as God is. He can't be everywhere at once. So we can't be like God in that way. But we are supposed to be like God in, this is what it says, but he, as he, verse 15, the first thing is we're not supposed to live like we used to live. Second thing, we're supposed to be as much like God as we can be. Wow. Hey, Turn to your neighbor and tell them God is trying to make you into a ruler. Not a 12 inch, or 36 inch ruler. I'm talking about a king or a priest. God is trying to get you to be mature. Everybody okay? So, being holy like God is holy. In other words, when we're faced with a decision about how we should act or how we should respond in a certain situation, or what we should think about certain things, we ought to stop and say to ourselves, now what would God do in this situation? How would God act? That's pretty big stuff, isn't it? Some of you say, well, that's kind of far out there. What do you mean, how does God feel about this situation? Let me show you how easy that is. Let's say you're a parent and you have a child. Let me ask you a a very important question. How does God treat you as his child? Does he give you everything you want? Man, we haven't gone 30 seconds past that statement And we see now how easy that is. God wants you to be holy in your parenting. And when you say, God, how do you treat me as your child? You've got a perfect example. Has God ever, now He didn't come down and give you a spanking, but has God ever shook you a little bit and said, hey, don't shake your baby, but you do need to get that. Has God ever got your attention? Is God a doting grandfather that says, oh, give him a stick of butter, let him do what he wants, don't, don't hem him in, let him, if he wants to run play in the street, let him go. Does God treat you that way? No. Some people think love. Let's talk about love a minute. When you say, well, how much should I love? And what does love look like? Some people think love just means you let people walk all over them. Let me ask you how God loved you. Did he love you when you were not performing too well? Right now is the time. Take a sip of coffee so you can wake up. Right now is the time to say yes sir or, no sir. Did God love you while you weren't performing too well? Did he expect you to do better? But he loved you anyway, didn't he? But that love sometimes says no. See, for, for me to say, you know, just wear a little bracelet that says WWJD. What would Jesus do? And we start thinking about, well, wait a minute. Now, what, would Jesus go to Walmart? <laughs> let's, let's go a little deeper into spiritual issues about how his love treats us, how he parents us, how he's faithful. Do you know that Jesus was tempted in all points? Somebody say all points. Do you know there's not one person in the world that's like you? Lynn, <laughs> I, it's testimony time. Lynn just said, thank God. I don't know if she was talking about you or her. Probably both, to be honest, probably both. Maybe she's talking about me. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank God. There's no, turn to your neighbor and tell them there's nobody in the world like me. Uh, your fingerprints, uh, your, your DNA, think about this, not only that, you, they say you have a twin in the world somewhere, somebody that looks a lot like you, and, and there's a pe- there's y- young man that I've met that looks a lot like me, and, but but your your personality, the way your personality is made, you know, whether you're a sanguine, a male sand, or you're a chlor-flag, uh the mixture of your personality, nobody's mixed like you are. So nobody can really understand, let me give you an example, how I've lost my father. But nobody can lose their father like I lost my father. Because the situation of me losing him is totally different than you losing your father. And how I respond to to loss is different than the way you respond to loss. So nobody can ever say, I've experienced everything you've experienced. But let me tell you who can. Jesus said, I was tempted in every point like you were. There's only one person that can feel what you feel, and that's Jesus. I want to tell you, that's why I'm in church today. No, Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? That's why I'm here to get a hold of him today because he's the only one that can really help me. Clap your hands unto the Lord today. So I think it's important that we understand Peter said, Be holy as God is holy. Let your love be that holy, let your patience be that holy. Anybody hearing what I'm saying now? Well, I'm just about to give up on that person. Let me ask you something. Strike that against God's holiness. Did he ever give up on you? Okay, so before we get into specifics of the purpose of holiness, and we've got to hurry, let me be very clear about, uh, clear, uh, clear, let me be real clear, very clear about what the purpose of holiness is not. Okay, turn your neighbor and tell them I'm fixing to find out what holiness is not. And I don't want you to ever forget this. The purpose of holiness is not to save you. You are not saved because you don't smoke crack. You are not saved because you don't shoot heroin up in your veins. You are not saved because you wear a certain article of clothing. Is anybody hearing me? Now I want to tell you something. There's a lot of churches that are still ignorant that think because they do certain things called holiness, that saves them. Holiness does not save you. So get that out of your system. There are people in this church that I haven't seen moved by the Spirit of God for a long time. Now they looked the part. You look at them and say, "They're well, wait a minute, holiness doesn't save you. God is not gonna pull you out of this world because your hair is a certain length. If that were true, if I baptized somebody this morning that was as bald as I am... I got my hair cut while I was in Oklahoma. I didn't know Rob's barber, <laughs> I didn't know Rob's barber uh, moonlighted in Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> Tell Rob I found your barber this week. <laughs> Think her name was Delilah. She just kept cutting and. I told her, she said, what are you doing here in Tulsa? I said, oh, I'm preaching a back to school revival for a bunch of teenagers. I guess she thought, well, this is a preacher, bless God, he needs all his hair cut off. But I tell you what, I feel holy today. I'm holier than the rest of you. All you guys that are here doing all that. Brother Jim, uh, but Jim's holier than I am today. I want to tell you, the Lord's not going to rapture me because I'm bald. Lord's not going to rapture you because you got a certain article of clothing on. We are saved by grace through faith. We are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ being applied in my temple. People say, well, where's the blood applied? Because that's the only thing I want to do. Well, the blood is applied all through the temple. The blood was outside at the altar. The blood was on the labor, and the blood was all in the inside. So where's the blood applied? It's applied at repentance. It's applied at baptism, and it's applied in the spirit. I know some people, well, I don't want to do all that. I just want to do one of the, where is the blood? Well, it's, a, it's all over that tabernacle. And the blood ought to be all over your tabernacle too. You are saved by the blood of Jesus and we are sealed by the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, this does not mean that holiness is completely unrelated to our salvation. But we are not saved by holiness. I just think we'll let that settle in a little bit. Do you know it it all it takes is a little self-discipline to master a system of externals. In other words, your little boy today decide he he's tired of home. I want to do what I want. I'm tired of living here. I'm going to join the military. You do like me and Jim, you start snickering. Yeah, you want to do what you want and live your own life? Go join the military. Well, I think that's a good idea. You know what they're going to do? First thing they're going to do, they're going to strip you down and inspect you real good. And then they're going to send you to Delilah, me and Rob's barber, they're going to give you a high and tight I don't care if you were the lead player for some rock group and you like all that. They're going to shave it all off. You are, and then that guy's going to get right in your nose and go you are now property of the United States government. They're going to tell you when to get up, how to make your bed and what your shoes ought to look like. Can I get a witness? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's what's gonna happen. So it's very important for us today to understand that anybody with enough manipulation can dress a certain way. Anybody that's browbeat long enough can do certain things just to get you off their back. Well, I don't want Brother Gene to be disappointed, so I better do, listen, listen, Your heart is not in it if you're doing it because you're being manipulated. Uh, He that the Son is made free is free indeed. We all need to be free here. Oh, I could say a lot. I probably shouldn't. But, But let me just say to you today that it's very important you understand that your holiness does not save you. So yeah I want to live a godly moral life but today I want to experience God in my own life. I want to be filled with his power today. Somebody say amen. This is very very important. So you can't do it for anybody. Well this is what mom taught me. This is is how I've been raised. Listen if the motive is not right we talked about that Wednesday night. It's not so much What you do, it's why you do it. Motive was very important to God. In fact, let me give you an example. You say, well, I'm not sure, but motive was more important than action, even in the Old Testament. Uh, The hallowed bread. The temple bread was only supposed to be eaten by the priest. We find an account where David and his men are running from Saul and they happen to end up in a, in a place where there's uh, the temple is and, and David says he he, he wants a sword, he has no weapon and then he says we we need something to eat and the priest says we have nothing here to eat but the hallowed bread. Now the law said... Those men were not honored to eat that bread. But in that situation, those men were hungry. And the priest said, You know what? If I'm thinking about the holiness of God, I think hunger, <laughs> I think hunger feeding a hungry man is just as important as only the priest eating it. And the priest went in and got the bread and brought it out to those men who were not supposed to eat it, but they ate it. Motive is, now God doesn't want you disrespecting the bread. God doesn't want you saying, oh, this bread's common, it's like everything else. No, he wants your motive to be right. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? He wants your motive to be right. I want you to think about that in terms of how you worship. Well, there's something wrong with this service. I think I'll run the aisles. You're running for the wrong reason. <laughs> Uh-oh. Why are we here? Why do we sing? Why do we lift our hands? Because we're supposed to. No! Because God's worthy and he's holy and he calls me to worship him. The motive is important. We can't stay in shallow waters, saints of God, Somebody say amen. Okay. We're talking about the purpose. Everybody say the purpose. Now, there are four of them. I won't get to all of them today. Obviously, I probably, I may get to two of them. I may get to half of them. Uh, Four specific and significant reasons why we are holy. The first one, and and they're in no order of preference or importance. They're all significant. But let's begin here. Four specific reasons and significant reasons why we are holy. Number one, holiness is to protect us. Protect us. Everybody say protect us. Holiness arms a believer with protection and spiritual power so he can hold fast to the profession of his faith, so he can make it all the way to the end, Okay, you, are, you do understand that we're saved, the Lord fills us with His spirit, and then He calls us to be holy as He is holy, but you understand this is not the ultimate end of our salvation, right? You realize this is the earnest of our inheritance. You realize we're going somewhere, don't you? And we're going there really soon thank you, Lord. the Lord just keeps the Lord's hitting the pulpit, you hear him? so I'm getting from this world to the next but along the journey when I decide to follow the Lord the Bible tells me he puts me on a highway of holiness now we're going to talk about this in just a minute but I want you to know the first thing is that holiness is to protect you and here's why or here's an explanation of that I want you to be aware that when you decide to follow the Lord, he puts you on a way that is narrow. And the Bible calls it a highway of holiness. Let me tell you that your adversary is not walking on that highway. Think about that. People get up and say, well, the devil's been after me all day. Listen, the devil is not on the same highway you're on. He's not walking the way of holiness. Now he may be over in the ditch. He may be off in the rest area. But the fact of the matter is he wants to tempt you to get off of the highway. Let's look at this. First Peter, it's in your in your notes. Peter says, or it's in, in that verse we were looking at, 1 Peter 1 14. Through sixteen, Peter says that we should be obedient, no longer conforming ourselves to our former lust. Everybody say our former lust. Peter says you're on a pathway now that you don't act like you used to act. You're living a life now that you didn't ever live before. Now the devil's going to try to tempt you and get you back to your former life. Should we pass the microphone around now and let you describe what your former lusts were? Let's talk about what you used to be. Think about that person. Think about the person you used to be. You may still have pictures. Boy, it is quiet now. The devil wants you to go back to ignorance. He wants to pull you off of the way, the highway. We know Jesus is the way. But he wants to tempt you to come off of that highway of holiness and begin to live according to your old desires. Do what you want. Listen, I've... People have asked me, "What's the you know?" And pastors talk this way. What's, what are you dealing with in your church? What's the what do you feel like the state of the church is? Where's the church? Is, wh- wh- where you are? And I to- I tell people, I want to tell you right now where what I sense in the church. And I'm not talking about in the world. They're eat up with it, but I sense it creeping into the church. It's self centeredness. Absolutely. This is the fight we are fighting now Is self-centered people. And it creeps into all of us. In fact, the Bible says in the last days men will be lovers of themselves more than what? There you have it. I'm more important than God. This is the struggle we are having right now in the church. So Paul said, don't let anything pull you back into what you used to be. Somebody said, well, what what did I used to be? Well, let's look at, that's in the scripture too, Ephesians 2 and 12, let's look at that. This is what we used to be. That at that time, you were without Christ, if I say without Christ, you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, you were strangers from the covenant of promise, you had no hope, you were without God in the world. Oh, I'm glad I got the Lord. One of the biggest dangers we face of being overtaken is being overtaken by what Peter calls our former lust. This will get you off the highway of holiness. So one of the reasons God calls us to holiness is to protect us against the ignorance of our former life. Look at this. This is what Paul advises us to do about our old life. Let's look at Galatians 5.16. Uh, this, let's begin here. This I say then, read it with me out loud. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That means your desires. Verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Listen. The flesh and the spirit are always contrary. They're never going to come into union. Remember that when you start saying things like, well, I don't feel this or I don't feel that. Your flesh is contrary to the spirit. You worship in spite of what you're feeling. Well, I don't feel like being joyful. Well, I don't feel, listen, your flesh will tell you you can't understand it, you don't feel this, so it's not real. No, the flesh is always contrary to the spirit. (laughs) It takes effort for me to pray, God, I bring down every kingdom of my mind today. Lord, I I wanna walk in the spirit. I wanna please you today. I don't want my flesh to rule my life. That takes effort. Somebody say amen. Paul said walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill. The, he describes the kind, look as he goes further. We stopped in verse 17. He, he gives us the premise, the flesh and the spirit are always at odds. And then he begins to describe what kinds of behaviors human lust produces. Look at verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh, if you want to know, he just said, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I'm sure any good preacher, he's he's sending a letter to the Galatians, he knows his congregation. And he says, if you'll walk in the Holy Ghost, you will not fulfill the lust of your own desires. And he knows, uh uh-oh, they're going to need me to describe what I mean. I can't just tell them, don't live in your lust. I'm going to have to tell them what lust is. Evidently, some of them forgotten what they used to be. And Paul Paul said to the Galatian church, okay, here's the works of the flesh. They are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, Envyings, murders, drunkenness, reveling. Oh, and by the way, this is not the exhaustive list. He says, and such the like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in the past. He said, I'm repeating myself. (laughs) I've told you this before, that if you do these things, you will not go to heaven. Now, I could spend an entire lesson giving you the definition of these words. Adultery, fornication, lasciviousness. What in the world is lasciviousness? None of us have most of these, do we? Revelings, nobody's a reveler. Heresy, nobody's uh, in heretical doctrine. Sedition, nobody here's in sedition. We don't even know what that means. But you got a Bible, you can find a dictionary, you got a digital device, you can look it up. Look up every one of those words. Let me give you one: witchcraft. Do you know that word? Is the, orig- the original word is pharma, which is where we get pharmacy. He's not talking about Ouija boards. Uh oh. No, he's talking about drug addiction. Uh oh. So you better find out what those words mean. You know why? Because if you're involved in one of those, you're not going to heaven. So (laughs) it's important for you to know what that verse means. Anybody want to make it to heaven? And Paul said, Paul said, I want to tell you something, Don't, don't fall back into the works of the flesh. Oh, and by the way, here's what they look like. You cannot be holy living in sedition or anger, wrath. He says, "A work of the flesh is wrath." If you are full of anger, you will not go to heaven. Uh oh! Turn to your neighbor to him. I wish he'd make it plainer. <laughs> Huh. Look at that. But he says if you if you if you're pulled back into this old life, you're not going to heaven. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. But look at verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit, you want to know somebody walking in the spirit? Here's what they look like. Love, joy. Man, I don't have to go any further. Check your barometer today. Look on the dash. Check your love uh, signal and check your joy signal. I don't want to be in church today. I don't feel good. Check your joy level. (laughs) Because somebody's walking in the spirit, they got joy. (laughs) Peace. Somebody walking in the spirit has peace. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Oh, and by the way, there's no law against any of this stuff. They'll never put you in jail for that. Goodness. Notice what he says right after describing fleshly behaviors and spiritual behaviors. Fleshly behaviors are sexual sins, uh wrath, anger and strife causing division, messing with uh witchcraft, messing with drug addiction, drunkenness, revelings, that's partying, variants, emulation. You just. I, I I've done a whole series on those words. We've already been there. So Paul describes fleshly behaviors and spiritual behaviors, and notice he says these are the two different people. And notice what he says in the very next verse. Oh, by the way, this is what a fleshly person looks like. This is what a spiritual person looks like. By the way, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. I want you to know, everybody that is the property of Jesus has crucified that old fleshly man. They're not gonna go to church and say, I can still serve God and live in uncleanliness. I can still serve God and be in sexual perversion. I can still serve God and be addicted to alcohol. It cannot happen. G. Gee- Everybody okay? So you're in a church that calls you to come up higher. You are not in a church that says you gotta be like a drunkard to save a drunkard. Man, I feel like I'm on fire. Man, look at that. Oh, there it is. And they that are Christ have crucified, say that with me. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections Notice the word have. Have. It's in the past tense, isn't it, Bill? They have crucified. So this is how holiness protects you. You know as well as I do that Paul said, oh, this deal about crucifixion, that doesn't happen once. Tell me how many times you've got to crucify your affections and your lust. Depends on what day is it is. Well, every day is a good answer, but there's some of us that need three or four times a day. We probably need to crucify our flesh as much as we eat. It'd be good to crucify yourself three times a day. You have. So that means don't pick up. Listen, this is something you did. Don't start going back to your old life. You crucified that life. Do you remember when you met the Lord, you said, Lord, I want to serve you so bad, I'll do anything you want. Everybody's a believer in a foxhole. Oh God, get me out of here and I'll be a preacher. And he gets them out of there and they go to Honolulu for a little R&R and the war gets over and they go to San Diego to get decommissioned and they come home and they get busy and they forget about the foxhole. But you know as well as I do. When you met God, you were desperate, and you said, "Lord, whatever You want me to do, I want to do it." Paul said, "Listen, you've already crucified that old flesh. Don't get off the highway of holiness." Everybody okay? All right. It's not. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's not going to get any better. <laughs> Those who are Christ have crucified. That's a strong statement. They have crucified. So Paul's saying, you'll know God's people, Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, you will know God's people because they have crucified their flesh. Oh, wait a minute, I know God's people because we all talk in tongues. No, no. Paul said, there's also evidence that you will know those that are Christ. They live a crucified life. Is everybody okay? All right. Let's go a little further because there's another writer that describes those who fall into the category of not crucifying themselves. It's in the book of Jude. And I want to read this in the New Living Translation so that we can understand what Jude is saying. He says it multiple times. These people. Say it, these people. These people. They have crept into the church. Jude is dealing with it. And he said they're living sensuous, uncrucified lives. They're trying to mix their own life with the life in Christ. And he says these people, he describes them. Look at verse 12. Now it's going to be in a little different version. Uh, Jude verse 12. When these people eat with you in your fellowship meals commemorating the Lord's love, They are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. These people are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. These people are like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. Can I translate that for you? They never refresh anybody. They're always soaking up stuff from everybody. Oh, my Lord. They're always taking and never giving. They come to church and they get fed spiritually. They get their sins remitted and forgiven. They get blessed. And then they gripe about giving in the offering because they're takers. They are takers. My goodness, he's calling us to walk in holiness. And Jude said, these people are like clouds that never give anything back. He's trying to get us to see who they are. Those that are Christ, they've crucified their flesh. But those that haven't, they're takers. Am I Okay. These people are like trees in autumn that are doubly dead. They bear no fruit and have been pulled up by the roots. You ever seen a fruit tree in the autumn? Ain't gonna be no fruit there. Time for fruit's past. It's withered. Not only is it withered, Jude said it's been pulled up by the roots. There's no fruit in their life. They are like wild waves of the sea. Have you ever been in a stormy sea? You have been on a lake in a storm? What's a lake? You know, the lake, you're out there, for me and uh, Ryan, Ryan uh, Sloat. Me and Ryan Sloat were out fishing on a men's fishing trip and the water's calm as it could be and we're up in this cove fishing and fishing and all of a sudden Ryan turns around and looks over my shoulder and said, oh, look at that, and I turn around. And it is boiling out of the southwest, just boiling over, coming over across that lake. Big old line of, a uh, 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 front line. You can see it as a front line, squall line they call it. And, and I thought, man, we don't even have time to get back to camp. And all of a sudden the wind started. You remember that inland hurricane that hit down in Marion area? I was on Wren Lake when that thing hit. I drove that Ranger boat by the time we got uh, inside the next cove we started back uh, tried to get back by the time we got to the next cove the waves were so huge when I pulled into that cove there's a little parking area not a campground but a rest uh, you know a, a, a picnic area uh, the waves were so high I ran that boat right up on the grass the lake was jumping up on you know it was a big old wall of clay where the lake had eroded the the lake was so high it just threw me right up on that grass We ran in the bathroom, the waves, they were huge. An hour earlier, the waves were calm. Do you know anybody like that? 30 minutes ago, they were all right, but a little wind got to blowing and they went ballistic. Jude says, this is those people that have not crucified their flesh. They are like raging waves. You get a little wind blowing and they're liable to blow up. Wow. Lord, I want to be holy. Only Jesus can say, peace be still when the storm's blowing. Waves of the sea churning up their foam, the foam of their shameless deeds. They're like wandering stars. You can't get a fix on any of them. Doomed forever to blackness, blackest darkness. Look at this. These people, everybody say these people. Uh-oh, these people are grumblers and complainers. Is it unholy to grumble? Absolutely. Is it unholy to complain? Absolutely. You know why? It's proof that you hadn't crucified your flesh. Man, it's quiet and all I'm getting is a wow out of Lynn. Wow. Why don't we join her and say wow? Wow. Okay, if you can't say amen from now on, just say wow. Wow. Grumblers, complainers, living only to satisfy their desires. Look at this. They brag loudly about what? Themselves. They flatter others to get what they want. These people are the ones who are creating division among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. Oh, I'm glad I got the Holy Ghost because I'd be a nitwit without him. <laughs> you turn to your neighbor right now and tell him I'm glad you got the Holy Ghost because you'd be a nitwit without him. <laughs> That's why you better stay full. Well, I'm, I'm drawn to a close. My Lord, I got to get out of here. I'm not even done with the first one. No honest-hearted believer wants to end up on that list, do they? Not one person in this room wants to be like that. So how do we protect ourselves from our greatest enemy, our own lust? It's not the devil. It's our own desires. How do we protect ourselves? We pursue holiness. We say, God, I want to be like you today. I want to do what you want me to do today. Don't let me live the way out. Oh, you're... Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord right now. Come on, there's a pursuit that I'm undertaking. I want to be like Jesus. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. So, yes. Yes, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to close it here. I'm not even through with the first reason we should be holy. But if the first, one of the first reasons is to protect me from living a fleshly, self-centered life. I want to tell you, we all have enough reasons to get bitter and mad, angry and upset with God and everybody else and live our lives full tilt for ourselves and do what we want because bless God, everybody else is doing what they want. It's about time I get what I want. We've all got enough reasons to do that. We've all been forsaken. We've all been abused in some way or another. We've all had somebody not treat us right from God all the way down to our dearest family. But you know what? I'm pursuing holiness. I'm not gonna let my old man start taking over because I could get just as raunchy as the rest of them. I could get just as angry as the rest of them for such were some of you, but you are washed. I'm a new creature. I'm not what I used to be. So no, my life's not perfect today. That's not why I'm worshiping and that's not why I'm the preacher. I'm pursuing God. I've met people who say, well, bless God, if they go to that church, I ain't going. Wait a minute. Idolatry is having other gods before Him, right? So if somebody's between you and God, you're an idol worshiper. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I'm sure I'm glad you're here today. I came to worship God with you today. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I'm not perfect, but I'm working at it. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, let's work at it together today. God wants to do something great in this service today. How many believe that? God wants to call us out of humanity and out of human lust. He wants to call us up a little higher today. Amen. And I want to go there. I want to pursue holiness. I want to be what God wants me to be. Somebody say amen.